Welcome to Age Gap Finance, a podcast where a millennial and a baby boomer talk money. My name is Nick. I'm 23. I'm a financial advisor with Rosado Wealth Management and one of the managing partners here. My name is Ed Rosado. I'm 57 years old and I'm a managing partner at Rosado Wealth as well. And uh, we want to say a thank you to everyone who listened to the first podcast of ours. This is podcast number two. And, um, you know, we really appreciate any listeners of that. Now, Ed, um, I understand you're coming back from a trip from Nashville. How was that? Oh, yeah. I was out there for, uh, for four days and uh, celebrating my youngest uh, child's 21st birthday. And that was always uh, that was interesting, trying to keep up with the 21-year-olds. So, oh, yeah. Um, but uh, fun town, love the city. Uh, anybody who's never been out there, I definitely encourage you to go out there. You don't run out of things to do out there, that's for sure. Yeah, I feel like there's uh, every, every time you guys go there and come back, I always hear of a new bar or a new restaurant. You know, a lot of things always going on there, new things being built, you know, renovated, all that. Oh, yeah, the, the city is actually booming like crazy right now. In fact, I heard a stat last time I was out there that forty um, percent of the cranes in the United States oh are actually in Nashville. And if you look out on the horizon there in the city, all you see is cranes and buildings. It's amazing. Wow. But uh, it's just a growing, growing area. But fun, fun place though. Yeah. Was it cold up there? It was. It got down to the low forties, upper thirties, uh, a couple nights and mornings. But uh, we had some rain. Uh, I don't know. And then. Of course, the day we flew out, it was nice and sunny, mm, yeah, but we still enjoyed ourselves because a lot of it's a lot of it's indoor activity, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, speaking of cold, um, I, I unfortunately I missed out on the Nashville trip, but I am going up to Canada, as you know, and um, about um, geez, that's next week, and um, wow. yeah, that's to celebrate um, me and my wife's one year anniversary of uh, being married, December eighth. Woohoo! I know. I know. What are you at? Thirty or something like that? We just had our thirtieth. Wow. On uh on November fourth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well but it's hard. It goes fast, Nick. It I know. Goes fast, so, I know. Uh, this this year has been pretty quick, so uh, yeah. I'm already seeing that. Yep. And of course, uh Thanksgiving coming up. That's in a few days now. That's too. right. Getting together with the family in a couple of days and as everybody else out there listening. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and uh, enjoy the family. These are great times, great time of the year. Mm-hmm. And got your got your eye on any uh, Black Friday deals there? <laughs> I don't really. <laughs> I'm not a big shopper, Nick, as uh, as you may know, just hanging around me. <laughs> not a big shopper. You're not but, at the uh, doors at 4 a.m. Yeah, no. I'd rather do Cyber Monday. <laughs> You're such a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to keep up with the millennials, you know, doing Cyber Monday instead of uh, Black Friday. But Black Friday, doesn't it come earlier now? I, mean, I, I they... saw, I'm pretty sure Best Buy had their Black Friday like yesterday or like last <laughs> oh, Friday. It, it was like, they, they tried to advertise it, you know, and be different. I think that was their strategy there. But I mean, I didn't even look. So well, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, they started, everybody was kind of up in arms when they started Black Friday. Wasn't it like the night of Thanksgiving? Like, yeah. Or like... No, I've left a Thanksgiving dinner to go wait in line <laughs> before, which is, you know, I don't think that's right. Um, I, I actually, the best experiences I've had with Black Friday was when it started at like 4 a.m. on yep. Friday. And you wait in line yeah, outside. Yeah, I mean, that's and, the fun part. You yeah. get to spend the time with your family and, mm-hmm. and do all that. You don't have to feel rushed to leave to be the first in line or whatever, but... 
uh, you still obviously get to the the experience and all the good deals too. Yeah, no, it seems like they everything they push earlier and earlier every year. It's like I think September some of these stores had some of their Christmas stuff out already. Oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Hobby Lobby. That's a that's that store is crazy. Yeah. All right, and uh, today's podcast is going to be about um, retirement readiness, you know, kind of asking that question, do I have enough to retire? You know, how much do I need to retire? You know, uh, all things to consider, spending in retirement, all that we're going to dive into today. Uh, But first, we want to do sort of just a brief market update. Um, The three major indexes, the Dow is up just over 20% at 20.08. The NASDAQ is up uh, almost 30%, that's 29.93. And the S&P 500 is um, up 24.85%. And this is all of November um, 25th. And uh, Ed, one thing I I didn't actually notice till this morning until uh, I saw you just looking through the the markets was, you know, these technology stocks, they're going crazy. And especially, I saw Apple, they, I mean, they're over 66% on the year. Yes, yeah. Um, Apple's going crazy this year as, as opposed to, and, and the other the other tech stocks too as well. Looking at the market too this morning, uh, I mean the Dow, I mean, they're all up the today too, uh, to date. Uh, year to date, of course, you gave the numbers, but today already the Dow's up 142, the NASDAQ 101, and S&P's up almost 20 uh, today already. So Yeah, and, and one interesting thing that I've heard is... Um, you know, me and you have talked about it quite a bit, but there's people who are um, who are projecting the Dow to be over or hit thirty thousand by the end of the year. Yeah, which... they're saying by New Year's Eve or so it'll hit thirty thousand. I mean, that's yeah. quite a different change from last year. I know December was not the best month at all for for the market. So mm-hmm. you know, you know, it's it's good to see that people are even though the market's been so good this year. You know, there's still a lot of people, um, including ourselves, who who you know see still a, a continued growth in the future. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. With uh, with the way the uh, the pattern's been going and things in the economy and so forth, um, you know, there's always there's always going to be noise out there. There's always noise with the with the election coming and and other things that are going on. This the impeachment hearings and all this. There's always going to be noise, but I think the general at least what I, I get out there is that the general feeling and consensus of a lot of people there that they feel very confident. Right, you know? right. And I, I will say just when, when me and you are meeting with people, um, almost a question that always comes up is, yeah, the market's done great this year. What about next year? You know, elections are coming up. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you uh, kind of nailed it when you said there's always going to be that noise. If it's not mm-hmm. an election year, you know, it's something else with, you know, maybe another country or, or whatever it may be. But right. You know, there's always going to be talk of the market and, you know, media trying to scare you. But, you know, the numbers don't lie. I mean, there's been this noise all year and, and look what the market's doing. Yep. And, you know, the one thing about the market, yeah, we are going to have the downs of the market without a doubt. You know, there's always going to be downs, but the market always comes back too. So when you're looking at, uh, you know, for the long haul, you've got to really focus at, at um you know what's going on right now, and <clears throat> how the economy's changing, and how you know we'll talk a little bit too, and when we get into this more about the population changes and and uh, the different uh, things like the the boomers and the millennials and Gen Ys and all that, how that's really gonna we feel 
and a lot of people feel is going to change really the face of the market right for a long time yeah and, and uh, one one other um, market update um, this doesn't really have to do with the numbers too too much but um, it is going to change how a lot of people uh, operate including ourselves is um, this morning Schwab announced that TD Ameritrade and then we're going to um, you know become one mm-hmm. one shop Schwab is going to buy TD for what was it 26 billion something yep. like that yeah so that that's two pretty big companies that are going to now merge into you know one kind of you know giant uh, yeah that'll make them uh, one of the powerhouses out there definitely and I think it's it'll be a good thing I think it's two you know, great companies merging together, and hopefully yeah. uh, it'll offer uh, investors a lot more too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's two companies we we are actually pretty familiar with and have worked with. So mm-hmm. you know, we're hoping um, they both have really good strengths. So you know, becoming you know, ho- hopefully they kind of merge those strengths and mm-hmm. just you know have a really nice platform. And there was a lot of uh, Monday mergers that they announced today, along with Schwab and TD. There were some other big ones too as well. So there's some big, big mergers coming out, uh, and they'll be probably finalized by mid-2020. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The mergers mm-hmm. are going to happen. Um, well, Ed, um, you know, I, I know our first topic on here is um, healthcare and in retirement, which is definitely a big factor. You know, people need to be aware of, you know how much they're going to spend on it. Um, you know what type of healthcare they're going to have. Um, things like Medicare. Um, so I know you have some things on that. Yeah, you know when we, uh, as you know, Nick, when we meet with clients that are, you know, um, <clears throat> on the cusp of retirement, or you know, they're they may be a couple of years out till they can collect uh, Medicare. You know, at sixty five. Um, it's really an important factor for people to look at that to see what their health care cost is going to be and how much they're going to have to spend in retirement, you know, um, and do I continue to work for a while, you know, until I reach, you know, Medicare age, um, or am I going to stop working? If I stop working, what is it going to cost me before I hit Medicare? So those are really definitely one of the big, big factors that come into play for people a lot of times, whether to retire or not, or to wait. Right. Um, I mean, if their if their company or whoever they're working for is providing, you know, a, a lot of that help with their their insurance, um, you know, that that that's a big factor because insurance can be very very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, making sure you're covered and you know whether it's from your company or out of your own pocket, that's important right. to consider. And then also for their. Uh, it's also a deciding factor too for the spouse too because they may have coverage still for the spouse, and uh, you know if the spouse you know as opposed to whether they want to go on Medicare or not. So those are all key things that come into play. One of the biggest things that we see when people are okay, all right, I'm ready, I'm ready to retire, but let me look at uh, what my costs are going to be, and that that healthcare is a big thing, is a big cost. Right, right, and you know. Especially as you get older and your health um, just naturally declines. What happens if there's an emergency? Do you have enough money to cover, you know, hospitalization for two weeks or, Mm -hmm. you know, however long you may need that for or, you know, a surgery that comes up or, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So definitely you want to 
um, kind of have an emergency health fund, um, maybe even separate from your just emergency uh, bill fund. Definitely. Some key factors, too, in, in getting ready for retirement is, too, is to estimate what your costs are going to be. You know, um, you know, is your is your mortgage paid off or is it going to be paid off? Uh, what are my monthly expenses are going to be? Are we going to downsize from the house we're in now? Um, and it's going to help. You know, that's a big thing that's going to help determine uh, what you're going to need to save. Uh, the one thing that we run across a lot is, um, you know, a lot of retirees want to travel, mm-hmm. you know, once they retire. And they find, uh, it's funny, uh, in, and we encourage our clients to do that, you know, enjoy retirement, travel, you've worked hard for it, why not? Um, and then uh, a lot of, uh, you know, we meet a lot of clients that, you know, once they do retire, they, um, they start traveling and they find out how expensive it is to really travel. Yeah. You know, there is some cheap avenues to travel, you know, as cruises and things like that. But when people want to take European trips and things like that, they're mm-hmm. like, I'll see them like a year or two later, like, wow, we never realized how expensive it is to travel. So just like you have a budget for, you know, your health expenses and your household expenses, if you plan on traveling, you should have uh, some type of budget for travel. If you want to take one big trip a year and a couple of small trips, you know, that's something that you should factor in, definitely. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important to have, um, I like to have a monthly and a yearly budget, but especially when when you're retired, um, you know, yearly is obviously a little bit more longer term and a lot of things can happen in a year. So that's why it's kind of good to do a monthly. But also a lot of people get, you know, their deposits monthly when they're retired, you know, their social security or a pension, you know, mm-hmm. they just get paid on the first of the month or the 15th, however it may be. So, um, kind of knowing exactly what's going to come in and then how much you're going to allocate to what, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you know you want to travel on three nice trips a year, you know, how much of your monthly budget can you put toward that, you know, 200 bucks or 500, whatever it may be in order to, um, you know, get to that number that you need. And then, you know, kind of try to stick to that because, um, you know, a lot of times while you're traveling too, if it's almost like a one-time event, you know, you are going to end up splurging on it if, you know, right. oh, I'll never get to hike this mountain again or, or whatever it may be, you know, you probably are going to spend a little more. So it's always better to almost uh, over budget for these things too, because, you know, these things are always going to come up. You could say you want to spend a certain amount on a trip, but uh, when it comes down to it, you're not going to want to miss out on an opportunity or an experience. Um, right. And so It could be costly. And then, you know, we, we meet a lot of clients that really know how to shop when it comes to traveling and they know how to get the good deals and yeah. all that. And and they would rather take a lot of, you know, I know I have some clients that they make it a point to do something every single month, whether it be a small trip within their state or whatever, and they have it budgeted. And they instead of spending on $25,000 on a big European vacation, They'll right. take small trips every month, too, and they enjoy themselves, you know, just doing that. Yeah, so. and some people, you know, they they love going out to eat, you know, and, and that, that could be their thing. Um, sometimes that's what you need to look at, too, almost. Uh, you know, we see people that go out to lunch and dinner every day or whatever, and, mm-hmm. you know, that could easily be another trip, too, if your goal is to, to travel more in retirement. Right. And, but, and, and the, debt, the debt has a lot to do with it when you retire as far as how much debt do you have um, or... 
do you want to retire with no debt? We always we always like to see our clients retire with no debt. If they could have their house paid for and their autos paid for and stuff like that, that's always a plus for them because that's just more in their pocket. That's more that they could use for travel and enjoyment. Right. And, and one thing that we actually do hear a lot is um, clients will say, do I have enough to retire or, you know, how much do I need to retire? Like there's some number, um, you know, there are rule of thumbs out there that, that uh, I've seen where, you know, whatever your working income is, maybe 70% of that is what you should try to maintain right. through retirement. Um, you know, there's other things like never withdraw more than uh, a total of 4% of your entire retirement throw, mm-hmm. um, you know, each year. And then there's other ones such as uh, whatever your income is, have 25 times that. Um, so, you know, you could look at uh, many different rules of thumb to, to achieve this, but there's no one set number um, for clients. It all kind of depends on what their objective is, you know, if it is traveling or, or whatever it may be. Um, that's definitely going to change. And uh, it all comes down to your budget. But um, kind of the one that I do like is, is the 70% of your um pre-retirement income, you should try to maintain that just because you don't want your, uh, your, your lifestyle to change mm-hmm. uh, dr- dramatically when you retire. You know, you still want to be able to do the things you were while you're working. But, um, you know, also with all that time off, that leaves more time for you to, you know, spend all that money. So that's something else you got to watch for. Oh, yeah. I mean, and yeah, a lot of people ask us too is, uh, you know, what's that magic number? What do I need? What do I need? Do I need a million dollars? Do I need two million dollars? But that's all going back to some of the things we just talked about. What what kind of lifestyle do you want to continue? Do you want to have the same exact lifestyle that you have now while you're working? Um, or do you want to have a more simpler lifestyle where you travel every so often and you have your bills paid for and you may even, you know, a lot of our a lot of clients that we meet, they like to work or volunteer part time. Um, and you know, they could be, uh, for example, a lot of the men that are retirees with us, they, they'll be, uh, you know, maybe a starter on a golf course or mm-hmm, a ranger yeah. or whatever, and they get free golf for yeah, doing that, yeah. but they enjoy being out there and they like it. So, um, some people want to spend more time with their family. You know, if they have kids that live in different States, they want to go travel and be with them and so forth. Um, it all depends on, on what your, uh, what's your lifestyle, what you want your lifestyle to be in retirement. Right. And I mean, we've seen clients have, you know, $200,000 that they retired on and, you know, they're, they're as happy as can be and doing everything they want. And then we've seen clients who want to spend 150000 every year in retirement. You know, it, it all just depends on what, um, you know, you're expecting your lifestyle to be in retirement. Mm-hmm. But we see people filling their time with, like you said, volunteering, part-time work, um, even if they don't need, you know, the money or anything, some people, uh, you know, we've seen millionaires just want to be a bagger at Publix or whatever, just to, <laughs> just to get out and talk to people right. and have a good time. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it's, it, it is all relative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the, uh, some of the stats, uh, out there is, uh, if you look at, um, like the baby boomer gem- generation, which is my generation, you know the average retirement savings out there is about one hundred fifty-two thousand, and if you look at Gen X, which is the six born in the '60s, between the '60s and '80s, 
their average retirement savings is about $66,000. And millennials are about 23000 So um, I feel like that's not bad for millennials. I mean, <laughs> we're still pretty young. We got a long way to go. You got a long way to go, yeah. The Some of the stats on, you know, people that live, which is kind of alarming, people that live paycheck to paycheck is about 76% of Americans. Wow. 25% of... Uh, uh, Americans have no retirement savings at all, and uh, but you know you were talking about how much out of your out of your uh, working assets or your your salary right now what you should use for savings. But kind of a rule of thumb too is people should earmark ten to twenty percent of their of their um, of their pay for, for retirement savings. Right. Yeah. 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 I've, I've heard that uh, as well. And, you know, if, if you do that from, you know, the time, you know, in, in, from your 20s up until, you know, maybe you work till your, you know, low, low to mid 60s. I mean, if you're socking away, you know, on average 15 percent a year of mm-hmm. your salary, you, you probably will be in a pretty good place um, as long as, you know, you're investing it and it's growing with you and it's not just sitting in the bank. Um and, the, yeah. and, the, and a big thing, too, going back to do I have enough and what my expenses are and so forth. I mean, you should, as a general rule of thumb, people should have at least six months of um, expenses saved as an emergency fund, right. which many, many people don't. But that's really kind of the general rule of thumb. In other words, if you lost your job, you had to stop working for you got illness or whatever, um, you should have at least six months of your expenses saved somewhere earmarked for those for your expenses. Right. Even if you think it's there's no way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're self-employed or, or whatever it may be. I mean, you never know if you, you're going to make another sale or you're going to um, you know get laid off. Things like that happen all the time, and right. um, you just always need to be prepared for that, um, no matter what. Um, and then the other thing is, you know. Uh, when you're when you're asking the question, do you have enough? You gotta kind of uh, take inventory of what you have now. So, you know, what are your retirement accounts looking like, um, or your other brokerage accounts? You know, what's your house worth? What's in your bank accounts? Um, it's it's good to do a regular assessment of this just to kind of see where you're at. Um, and you know, if you're in your 40s and you maybe you don't have, you know, you're not on track uh, to hit. You know, if you do have a magic number in your mind where I would need a million dollars to retire or whatever, you know, make those changes um, sooner rather than later because the more time you have, um, the the more achievable it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, you know, talking about as far as um, for some clients, uh, for some people that we meet, uh, leaving a legacy for their family, for their children, their grandchildren is a priority. Um, and then you have many people that'll say, you know, whatever's left over is left over. Um, if uh, I want to enjoy retirement uh, to the fullest, my kids are doing much better than I am. Uh, they're doing very well, and whatever's left over is left over for them. And then many people will say that I really want to create a legacy for my family. I want to make sure that my grant, my children or grandchildren, that their uh, their college is paid for, that you know maybe even that their houses are paid for to help them that way. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different um, 
different angles when it comes to leaving a legacy um, in place or, or if you want to at all. Right. Um, and what do you currently have in place right now? And that's some of the things that we really talk about with clients is, do you have life insurance in place? Do you have, you know, certain accounts earmarked for those children or grandchildren? Yeah, or a uh, uh, will, trust, you know, things like that, you know, making sure that's part of your plan as well. Um, yeah. Just to make, to ensure, you know, the money's going to be divvied out how you want it to be mm-hmm. uh, and in a timely matter too, because if those things aren't set up, you know, probate can can take two years and a lot of money to um, j- just to get that all settled right by putting some very simple plans in place uh, when it comes to wills trusts um, advanced directives power of attorneys things like that 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 the stuff is so easy to put in place but many many people just don't take the time to do it um, and it could avoid a lot of uh, headaches later on for the beneficiaries where exactly they won't have to go through probate right. and, and pay those fees and ha- and get the money tied up for a couple of years. Um, the other thing, too, is uh, long-term care, which uh, long-term care insurance, we're big believers in that. Uh, a lot of clients don't want to talk about long-term care. You know, they don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, my children will take care of me. I'd never want to go into a nursing home or assisted living or need home health care. But the reality is that one in every two persons in the United States in their lifetime will need either long-term care, assisted living, or home health care. So one in two. So um, it's something, it's, it's asset protection. We look at it as asset protection. Right. Because people take all these insurances out to protect all of their other assets, such as their car and their home and everything else, but they don't look at uh, ways to actually protect their assets because if you or your spouse get confined to a nursing home or need assisted living, that could eat up all of your assets very quickly. Right, and and these are conversations that um, whether you come to us or not, uh, you need to be having with your advisor. Hopefully your advisor is... You know, it's not, it, it shouldn't be your job to really know all this. Your advisor should be talking to you um, about, you know, all these things. And, um, you know, that, that's one of our kind of unique services here is that we do have an attorney we work with um, who uh, helps with trusts and estate planning, things like that, uh, as well as, um, of course, me and you being advisors, we, we handle a lot of brokerage and, and things like that. And, and life insurance and long-term care exactly. and things like that. So they all... Uh, and help people with tax planning too as well. Yeah, all this of all those goes things, hand in hand. They all go hand in hand and we all work together to help clients to achieve that overall goal and, and to have it all in one place too as well. Right, right. And and one thing that um, we, we kind of touched on, um, you know, when, when I said that, you know, expect to have or, or maybe uh, have as a goal to have 70% of your pre-retirement income uh, at, when you are retired, um, you know, how are you going to achieve that? You know, what is that? What vehicles are you using? Are you going to pull from your IRAs? Um, do you have a pension? Um, and then, uh, one thing that we like to talk about as well is, you know, guaranteed income. There's a lot of good vehicles out there for that, um, where, you know, you'll never outlive y- your money and, um, you know, it, you know, it's going to be safe. It is invested in growing, but at the same time, you know, it, it's not in danger or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So these are all topics and, and, and ideas that, um, 
you know, you should be talking to your advisor about. And the big thing too is social security income. I mean, uh, Nick, you and I did uh, two workshops last week just on social security. Right. And um, I think there's, uh, what was it, 567 different ways you can actually collect, you can actually collect social security. And that is something that um, has to be looked at very carefully and not to jump right into when you, when you're looking to collect Social Security. You have to look at all the different angles of how to collect for you and if you have a spouse, how to properly collect that and when to collect it so you can maximize those benefits. Right. There's a lot of um, questions, you know, that, that were on some of our slides there that, um, you know, some people have a mindset about their Social Security, you know, going into it. They, they think, you know, because I retired, I'm going to collect it. Um, no questions asked. I'm not even going to look at the options. I'm just going to collect it, you know, because mm-hmm. I because I've paid into it all this time. You know, I'm retired. I I'm going to take my money. Um, things like that. They don't consider their spouse or you know what what their spouse would get if they were to pass or, you know, they're not really looking to maximize their benefits uh, or or how exactly to maximize their benefits. Yeah, and when a lot of when a lot of clients look at you know if they they took it early, um, how much they actually lost by not waiting. Um, it's kind of staggering, and then also when they not to get into too much detail, but when they can, if they continue to work and collect Social Security, um, you know, if they're if they're sixty, you know, under sixty five, um, how much they're limited to how much they can make till they have to pay back to Social Security, and then the whole topic of taxation on Social right, Security is a whole other topic. So um, that's all of those things have to be looked at carefully when uh, when deciding on that type of income. Right, right. And one thing um, that I that I do want to say on that is, you know, we are talking very general here, and there's, um, you know, not one one plan is not going to fit for everyone. So um, you know, please, while you're listening to this podcast. Um, you know, think of your own individual situation. And of course, if you want, um, to, to talk to Ed and I, we are available, but, you know, just because we're, we're saying, you know, as a rule of thumb or, you know, people like to do this, it it is not one size fits all. So, um, your advisor and you should be, uh, looking at your individual plans and goals and, you know, um, work toward those and, and, you know, kind of put those steps in place to achieve them. All right, and that's all the time we have for today. Um, I know we did cover a lot of general topics here, and um, if you have any questions or concerns about any of this, uh, you know, Ed and I have been doing this for a while and and can help you out with uh, any of these concerns you may have. We appreciate everybody listening, and stay tuned for future episodes. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered through True Investments Capital, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.